Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of The Eleanor Show. This is my submission for my Geography 365 creative project. And today I'm going to be discussing the eviction and the demolition of the International Hotel. And I will also be exploring some of Al Robles's poetry throughout to look at how he was remapping Filipino geographies. So let's get into it. The history of Filipinos in San Francisco actually begins in the Philippines, where via the Treaty of Paris in 1898, Spain had seceded the Philippine Islands to the U.S., in which at that time, the president, William McKinley, had announced that they were going to implement a public education system in the Philippines. And what they did was through government-sponsored scholars, they had recruited a lot of scholars known as pensionadas and pensionados to go over to America and get educated in colleges and go back to the Philippines and spread American nationalism in these public school education systems. And within the same time, in the early 1900s, a lot of recruiters had gone to the Locano regions and they had recruited a lot of young bachelors in their 20s to come over to America and fulfill a cheap labor need in agricultural fields um, in America. So a lot of young Filipino men had come from the Philippines and gone to places like Hawaii to work on sugarcane fields and also in Alaska to work in canneries and in fisheries. However, tension had begun to build in Hawaii, which led to the field owners at the time banning Filipinos who were striking against them, who they were striking against poor working conditions. And it had led the field owners to ban Filipinos from working if they were going to continue to strike in Hawaii. So a lot of them had decided to go over to Kearney Street, which is located in Chinatown in San Francisco, and settle on Kearney Street as they were allowed to buy property and allowed to own businesses on the spine of Chinatown because they were also still excluded from these anti-Asian immigration laws and also property laws that had been in place in San Francisco. Due to what recruiters were looking for when they were recruiting Filipino men to come and immigrate to America, they were looking for able-bodied young men to work on fields. Filipino women were still excluded from immigration up until 1965, which prevented a lot of the young Filipino men from family life. The entire generation missed out on family life because of these anti-immigration laws. The Filipino men who arrived in their early 20s as bachelors were not allowed to marry white women that I had met, who they had nicknamed blondies, as they would meet in dance halls and pool halls. They weren't allowed to marry these women. By the 1940s up until the 1960s, Kearney Street had been engulfed by Filipino businesses and recreational sites that acted as home for many Filipino men that would eventually become the Manong generation. At the time, there were 37 hotels on Kearney Street that housed the working men during their off-seasons from canneries and others that decided to settle in San Francisco after unfair working condition strikes in Hawaii prompted many Filipino farm workers to move from Hawaii to the West Coast. And one of those residential hotels was the International Hotel. The Manong generation was 
the main inhabitants of the International Hotel, Manong meaning older brother in an Ilocano dialect spoken in the Philippines. At its core, the International Hotel was a low-income residential hotel. It was one of 37 low-income residential hotels that was located on Kearney Street. And by the 1960s, the majority of the inhabitants in the International Hotel was comprised of the Manongs. The Manong generation was made up of the field workers, but also World War I, World War II veterans who had lived in the International Hotel for over 45 years. With rent set at about $50 a month and welfare checks coming in at about $200 a month, the Manongs felt settled within the International Hotel, living in a Filipino community that they considered their own family. However, in the 1960s, there was also an influx of development in San Francisco, with a growing financial district that began to, be, to be a threat to these low-income hotels on Kearney Street. By the 1960s, a lot of the hotels had been bought up and sold and redeveloped into luxury condos or offices, and the International Hotel was susceptible to this. They were purchased in March of 1968 by the Milton and Myers Company, who had decided that they wanted to demolish the hotel and evict its tenants to build a parking garage to accommodate the growing financial district. Another really big threat to the hotel was Montgomery Street, which was right over beside Kearney Street. Montgomery Street was dubbed the Wall Street of the West, making Kearney Street a very valuable property to the city. So in 1968, with a purchase from the Milton and Mars Company, they had posted on Manong's doorsteps eviction notices that read, Be out by January 1st, 1969. And these eviction notices sparked a lot of tension in the hotel, with a lot of Manongs scared and not knowing what to do. A lot of anti-eviction coalition groups began to form, with a lot of them being led by the Manongs themselves, as they were resilient fighters who were ready to fight for their low-income housing. A lot of the anti-coalition groups were also led by students, who were still fueled off of fighting for fighting against the Vietnam Wars. So a lot of the students and a lot of the Manongs had joined up together in order to go against the Milton and Mars Company, who was this big development actor, in order to fight for their low-income housing. One of the actors in who was involved with the Manong generation was Al Robles, who I'll talk about more later, who was a poet and an activist. And he also witnessed everything happened as he was close with the Manongs at the time. Another really big anti-coalition actor was the International Hotel Tenants Association, who was the main heart of the anti-eviction coalition groups that was fighting for the International Hotel against the eviction and the demolition of the hotel. The city and the Milton and Meyer Company had deemed the International Hotel to no value because they saw the property as run down. And in a statement given to Curtis Choi in his documentary, The Fall of the International Hotel, an attorney for the Milton and Myers Company told Choi that the International Hotel was in poor condition and that improvements on the hotel are in such a bad condition that they don't really lend themselves to be renovated. 
This quote can be seen as justification to destroy the hotel. They devalued the lives that these Filipino men had lived, seeing them only as blight. However, after a year of intense political pressures, the Milton and Myers Company had decided to create a lease alongside the International Hotel Tenants Association. However, the night before the lease, there was a mysterious fire in the building that killed three tenants. And the president of the Milton and Myers Company had refused to sign the lease. And he was caught saying, if no one signed the lease, then no one would have died. They abruptly cut off negotiations unknown to the tenants. The hotel was actually sold to the Four Seasons Corporation. And the sale of the property was hidden for 10 months from the tenants who didn't know about the sale until the Four Seasons Company had decided to apply for demolition permits with the city. In 1976, Judge Ira Brown had ruled a verdict in favor of the Four Seasons Corporation. The verdict allowed for the Four Seasons Corporation to evict the tenants and demolish the hotel. Around the same time, the mayor of San Francisco, George Moscone, alongside the San Francisco Planning and Urban Renewal Association, had created a buyback plan to avoid the eviction. The buyback plan consisted of the association using its powers of eminent domain to buy back the hotel from the Four Seasons Corporation and sell it to the tenants of the International Hotel. However, that only gave the tenants about one year to raise $1.3 million to rebuy the hotel. However, a judge had ruled against this, saying that the association could not use eminent domain to buy private property from one owner and resell it to another private owner. And in 1977, protests had begun surrounding the hotel with a lot of activists and students standing around the hotel with signs that said, we won't move, no eviction. The protests intended to peacefully resist the evictions of the hotel. However, on August 4th of 1977, the protesters had created a human barricade around the hotel, alongside the Manongs. A lot of the Manongs laid and resided inside of their apartments waiting for the eviction to happen. The police showed up with full tactical gear and riot gear, and also horses, fun, um, to evict the tenants of the hotel. When they entered the hotel, they found Manong sitting in their rooms with caregivers and activists just waiting to be evicted. They had told the Manongs to leave their belongings and to come back at a later date to retrieve them. The Manongs left empty-handed with nothing except for the clothes on their back. At the end of the night, all of the Manongs had been successfully evicted from their apartments. When the Manongs returned to the International Hotel to retrieve their belongings, their apartments were no longer recognizable, with many of their possessions being rummaged through and broken. The Manongs saw what the eviction had done to their homes. The Four Seasons Corporation did not build anything on the property after they demolished the hotel. Instead, it sat vacant for 26 years. In March 2003, the property was bought by a nonprofit consortium, and construction began on an underground parking lot that is now a foundation for a new international hotel, a courtyard, and an elementary school. 
The property will also house low-income housing units, with 11 of the original iHotel tenants on the list to live in the new International Hotel. The new International Hotel also serves as a museum and an epicenter for the Filipino histories that were on Kearney Street, after all of Kearney Street had been taken and Milletown had been successfully dispossessed. I now want to discuss Al Robles. Al Robles was a poet and an activist who was present during the evictions and during the entire process, the nine-year fight for the International Hotel. He wrote a lot of poetry in response to the International Hotel evictions. He also lived his life to preserve the Manong generation. He wanted to preserve the memory of the Manong generation as well as continually fight for the Manongs. He worked as a staff member and a co-founder of the Manila Town Senior Center, which was a center made for Manongs, which provided subsidized meals and recreation and educational spaces for the Manongs. And in 1994, he also founded the Manila Town Heritage Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization that helped in rebuilding the new International Hotel. My research that is around Al Robles is centered on a journal article written by Thea Kirai Tagle, who looks at Robles's poetry not only as just art and poetry written as a response to the evictions and the demolition of the International Hotel, but she also really does a good job of bringing the eye to how it revalues the Manongs and how his work revalues what the city had devalued. The city had devalued these Manongs saying that they were wasting space, a space that could be used for a parking garage. It equates the lives of the Manongs to a parking garage just for the compensation of city development. But Al Robles takes these Manongs and puts value back into their lives where he recognizes that these Manongs were not always settled in San Francisco. He maps out their personal geographies with a lot of them fighting in the war or going from the Philippines to Hawaii to San Francisco. He recognizes that these Manongs had lived an entire valuable life before settling into the International Hotel, which is something that is really important to look at when the city was devaluing these Manongs. The Tagle also recognizes that Al Robles's poetry not only remaps the geographies of these Manongs by showing where they've migrated to and where they came from, but he also recognizes that a lot of California and a lot of the United States is built off of racial capitalism. It's built off of the working of the fields of the Manongs and how the Manongs were the center of a lot of capital grown for California at the time, whether it be in the asparagus fields or in Hawaii where they worked in the sugarcane fields or in Alaska. But his poetry does a good job of recognizing all of these workings that go into the lives that the Manongs had lived and what they did for the United States and also for California and Alaska and Hawaii. 
It is also noted in her article that a lot of Robles's poetry was performed and meant to be spoken. He read a lot of his poetry out at a lot of the rallies that happened around the I Hotel, but also after when he would tell the story of the International Hotel and tell the story of the Manongs. And in the spirit of his poetry not being meant to be read but listened to, I'm going to read one of his poems from his book published called Rabin with 10,000 Carabaos in the Dark, which was dedicated to the Manongs of the International Hotel. The poem I'm going to be reading is called Manong Ocampo. Manong Ocampo crosses the Tenderloin Street dressed in old, clean, goodwill Sunday best. Straight up to this Manong meeting Ocampo 15 years later lit up the city streets, 1920 SF bound Honolulu taxi dance halls swinging to my heart is sad and lonely for you I cry for you only dear filling his up his old eyes no big thing why it's only 10 cents a dance wild memories spring up sparkle like crystal snowflakes spitting out Kearney Street buck buckero tales Records, I hotel uprising spirits on the tip of his tongue, stained with bagoong, tangled with balakbayan dreams, searching for the other half of the water buffalo. It'll be good if I last one year, good enough. I'm 90 years old, ready to die. Manu Ocampo's eyes push far back. Old, tired bones ache, brittle as summer leaves. As you can see in that poem, Robles recognizes the entire life that Manung Ocampo lived, saying that he could see memories spring up, sparkle like crystal snowflakes. He recognizes the life that Ocampo lived on Kearney Street, but also prior in his youth in taxi dance halls, but also working in fields and living the best life that he could in his 90 years. And I think that's one of the biggest responses and takeaways that I got from Al Robles's poetry. Robles's poetry not only worked to recognize the lives of the Manongs that had lived in the International Hotel and to also tell the stories of the Manongs of the International Hotel, but he really did work to preserve the Manongs and their memory. And he works against the erasure of Filipino geographies on Kearney Street. As Manila Town was overlooked by Chinatown, who had been settled there since the early 1800s, having a longer history there than Manila Town. And Kearney Street was easily erasable, and it was easy for the Filipino neighborhood to be forgotten. And I really think that Al Robles's poetry extends the remembrance of Manila Town, but also extends the story of how a city can overlook and really destroy an entire population of people that lived in their city and erase it for capital gain and erase it for just urban renewal and growth and put that in front of the lives of these Manongs who worked for America and who was promised just a better life in America, but was instead treated with redevelopment and with eviction. And all they wanted as repay for their work in the fields and their work in the canneries and their hard work in America was just low-income housing 
at the corner of Kearney Street in a hotel that they wanted to live out their lives in. That's all they wanted. That's all they asked as repayment. And the city failed them and was not able to give that to them. Robles's poetry also extends down to his nephew, Tony Robles, who continues to write poetry and create and to fight for low-income housing that is really needed in the States and elsewhere. But this project really taught me a lot about Filipino geographies and how they're there and they exist and I just have to look for them, but also a lot of Filipino poetry that I had not looked for, connected with, and it was really cool and really nice to explore how other Filipinos are experiencing the Filipino diaspora. And I, in turn, found a lot of poetry about Filipino immigrants and children of immigrants, which was really nice and able, I was able to really connect with all of that. Um, So this project has been a really great opportunity to do that. And I would really like to thank you guys for creating a space for me to do that. And thank you for this semester. It has been really great. Um, But yeah, so that's the end of my project and the end of the Eleanor show. Thanks for listening. Bye.